Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. All right, so here we go. There's the book, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9 and verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then He took them with Him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethesda. But the crowds learned about it and followed Him. He welcomed them and He spoke to them about the Kingdom of God and He healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to Him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are here in a remote place. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for this whole crowd. And about 5,000 men were there, by the way, plus women, plus children. But He said to His disciples, have them sit down in, about, in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everybody sat down taking the five loaves of bread and two fish and looking up to heaven. Anybody grateful that you don't have to look at what you've got, but you can look up to heaven. He gave thanks and He broke them and He gave them to His disciples to set before the people. They all ate, they all ate and weren't hungry. Anybody hate going to a house where you get a meal, but you're still hungry at the end of it? They all ate. And they were satisfied. Somebody shout, Amen. <laughs> and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. What an amazing passage of Scripture. In the reading that we have tonight, Jesus' disciples are returning from their first ever ministry trip. He has just anointed the 12 apostles in the chapter before it. And then He has sent them out. He's been modelling ministry, been showing them what to do. And He's taking things to another level. He's saying, hey, listen, this is what I've done. I've gone into towns. I've gone into villages. I preached the sermons. I healed the sick. I drove out the demons. And what I've been doing for the last two years, it's now your turn to do it. And He sent these disciples out. And by the way, this is what discipleship is all about. You watch me. You do with me, now you do without me. And that's exactly what God's aim is for us. If you're a believer in this room, I want you to understand, God wants you to watch, God wants you to participate, then God wants you to do it without Him and when it, without the other person that's been ahead of you. And that's what, that's what we're all about here at Arise, is replicating disciples. He sent these apostles out, these newly minted, freshly anointed apostles. And He said, go out and I want you to go to towns, go to villages, preach the good news of the Kingdom, heal every disease and cast out demons. Anybody grateful that God takes a risk on a new generation? I mean, after this, after this, Peter still cut off some dude's ear in the garden. After this, one of these 12, betrayed Jesus for, for coins. I mean, that's literally the position of maturity that these cats are in. And Jesus said, you've got authority. You can cast out demons, heal the sick and have a crack. And God will trust you, friends. Are you grateful for that? They went out on their first ever trip 
And the Bible tells us that this is the story of when they came back. And no doubt when these disciples return to Jesus, they are full with a whole bunch of stories. I mean, they've got stuff to tell. Depending on their personality, I'm sure it depended how they saw what happened. John comes back and just said, Jesus, there were people, everybody, everywhere, and they all just needed love. And we got to love on a whole lot of people. That's John's ethos. Peter came back and he said, I prayed for this guy and his arm grew back. It wasn't there, but it grew back. We had power, Jesus, and it was amazing. We've got, we've got, you know, Matthew comes back and he says to Jesus, we had 17 miracles, 312 salvations. If you read Matthew's Gospel, he just loves his stats. Judas comes back, Judas comes back and he said, well, you know, we had some amazing offerings, but I don't think collectively they offset how much we normally get from your crusades. Thomas comes back and Thomas says, you know, I prayed for this guy, Jesus, and he was completely healed. I think he was healed. Actually, I'm not that sure about it at all. And the disciples are swapping stories amongst themselves. And you know how young guys go. You know, one guy's, well, yeah, well, I prayed for this guy and his eyes were open. That's nothing. I prayed for this guy and his legs grew back and his dog's eyes were open. I mean, they're swapping stories amongst themselves. And I'm sure it's just one big celebration. Anybody who's ever done ministry, anybody who's ever served, for instance, at a RISE conference for the entire weekend would know that when you finish that project, when you get to the end of your big season, you're elated, you're, 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 you're wired, you're thankful, you can't believe that God has moved, but you're also exhausted and emotionally vulnerable. And when these disciples came back from this missions report, remember this is pre-Twitter, pre-Instagram, pre-news you know, news feeds on your iPhone. And they brought back with them, we know from reading another gospel, that they brought back with them news to Jesus that John the Baptist, who has been their partner in ministry, their sole friend in the cause of Christ, the only person saying good things about Jesus other than the ministry team of Jesus. And John the Baptist, their friend, Jesus' cousin, their partner in ministry has been beheaded and is now dead. And when news comes back to Jesus and the disciples of what has taken place, they are not only excited about the ministry, but they are also gutted. They're, they're mourning. Their buddy, their friend is dead. And Jesus says to His disciples, He says, you know what? We need to go away. We need to process our grief. We need to reflect. We need to get fresh. He said, we've got to take some time out. Let's go to Bethesda. And when they, when they went to go to this town, I'm sure the disciples were grieving and I'm sure they were gutted, but I'm sure a little bit of them was pretty pumped. They're thinking to themselves, man, let's go away. Let's, let's get to this holiday place. Let's go to this small town where people relax. Let's get some hydroslides going. Um, you know, let's eat some burgers. You know what I mean? Like no one's counting calories on holiday. Somebody say amen, you know. We're gonna eat, we're gonna eat, and we're gonna eat big. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna relax. There's a theme to tonight's sermon. It's all about food, maybe because I'm hungry right now. And the disciples are thinking to themselves, man, this is gonna be awesome. They set off, we've got just us, just Jesus, no big crowds. 
they arrive at Bethesda and when they get there, they grab some food, something, and they head out into the countryside and they sit down and they're just chilling out. And as they're chilling out, they look over in the horizon and they can see some movement. And they're looking and one of the disciples says to the others, I, I can see some people over there. And they're like, oh, okay, all right. Somebody found us. That's all right. That's all right. And as they're watching these people walk down the road, they can see others in the distance behind them. Oh, praise God, you know. And as they keep looking, there's still more and there's still more. And it begins to dawn on these disciples that the crowds have found them. Well, now the chatter begins. Oh no, here we go again. It's always about them, isn't it? These people just can't leave us alone. It's all about their blindness and their leprosy. <laughs> When's it gonna be about us for a moment? You know? And then as the crowds are getting close, Jesus stands to His feet. And they're like, oh no, what's Jesus going to do? And Jesus welcomes the crowds and they're like, oh, that's good. He's gotta be nice to people. That's always important. Hopefully He's now gonna tell them all to get back where they came from and give us our little R&R &R time. And as they're waiting, you can imagine the, the kind of pregnant pause and you can imagine the disciples as Jesus says, hello everybody, bless you. And then as He launches into a sermon, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. The disciples are like, no! Jesus preaches for hours, this is not good. And He's gonna pray for people, He always prays for people. Whenever He preaches, He always prays for people. This is gonna take forever. And so the disciples exercise the most ancient form of resistance, passive resistance. It's not, they wouldn't be bold enough to say, Jesus, this is a terrible idea. They're just not gonna help in any way. So these disciples, these apostles who've been driving out demons and healing the sick are now sitting off in a huff in the corner while Jesus spends the rest of that day ministering to the broken people who've wandered out into the wilderness. And at the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, in late afternoon, the Bible tells us that the 12, if you read your Bible carefully, you will notice the Scripture says that the 12, all of them came as one man. They've talked amongst themselves. They've garnished a strategy. They've, they've developed a plan. They're like, you know, how are we gonna get rid of these people? That's what their conversation point has been. How are we gonna get rid of these people? It's, it's not about them, it's about us now. We know, how can we get this burden off our shoulders? How can, we get, how can we get a little bit of relaxation time to ourselves? And one of them says to the other, let's point out to Jesus how far away they are from food and lodging. Let's, let's put the problem of, of maintaining their physical needs up to Jesus and show Him that we've got to get rid of them. That will work, that will work. All right, who's gonna talk? Peter, Peter always talks. So they walk over to Jesus as one man and their request of Jesus, their, their advice, they've been so bold as to make a strategy suggestion to Jesus. Let's send these crowds away because we love them, Jesus. I mean, we love them. And because we love them, let's let them go back to where they came from so that they can find some food. And you know, it's gonna be cold tonight. Let's help them to find somewhere to sleep before the sun sets, because we care about them, Jesus. We, we care about, our motive is so pure and we, it's all for God and for the people. And so let's send them away so that they can find 
something to eat. And can you imagine their frustration when Jesus responds and with these simple words, He says, you give them something to eat. Did you see that one coming? I did not see, no, I did not see. Anybody got a good reply to that? Up pops Judas, he's going financial. He's like, Jesus, how are we gonna pay for that? I mean, how are we gonna pay for that? I mean, if we buy everybody here a fillet of fish combo, which I tried to Google the price for last night because I haven't bought one in so long. I haven't been to McDonald's in so many years. Anyway, if I, we buy them all a fillet of fish combo, then that's gonna cost thousands of dollars a year's wages. This is not going to work. And Jesus just will, He sticks to His guns. He just says, no, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And the disciples said, well, all we've got is five loaves of bread and two fish. It's 5,000 men plus women plus children. There are 12,000 people here minimum. And Jesus said, have everybody in this crowd sit down in groups of about 50 people each. The disciples are like, sit down, you moaners, you know, shut up, sit down. (laughs) Then the Bible says that Jesus takes the food that is there. He takes those five loaves of bread. He takes those two fish. He looks up towards heaven. And are you grateful for a God that no matter what you've got, if you break it for the need of humanity, He'll meet you there? that no matter how little you feel you have on offer, that if you break it and pour it out, if you won't remain whole, but if you'll be broken for the needs of a community, if you care about the people that are around you, that God can do the most amazing things with what we simply have on offer for Him. Come on, if you are grateful for that, give God some praise for a second. And Jesus looks. He looks towards heaven and He breaks the loaf and He breaks the fish and He hands it to the disciples and He says, go out there and offer this to the people. And as bits of the loaf get broken, the loaf doesn't seem to get smaller. As as bits of the problem get offered to the people, it doesn't seem to reduce in size. Imagine their incredulity as they're wandering from group of 50 to group of 50 and they're handing out portions of the bread and portions of the fish and everybody's taking some, but no matter how much is taken, they still seem to have more as they, as they don't run out of the sustenance that is required as ever, it start, ripples of conversation are going out amongst the crowd. Where is all this food coming from? How come everybody seems to have enough? And everybody in the crowd miraculously is fed on this particular moment. And once everybody has eaten, and that that key phrase for every New Zealander, and was satisfied, say amen. Amen. The Bible says, right, now you, Munji lot, grab a basket and each of you go out there with a basket and pick up what is left over. 
Now we know again from reading other, other versions of the story that it was one schoolboy's lunchbox, one kid bought five loaves of bread and two fish with him. What fit in his backpack, now each of the disciples has a basket of broken pieces that are left over. Jesus, Jesus made each disciple pick up their own basket of leftovers to teach them that guys, it doesn't come back to whether or not there is a good enough plan or whether our strategy is complete. If God is gonna move, if we're gonna, if we're gonna see a miracle take place, then it's going to come back not to our, our resources or our, our, our available stuff that we have on offer, but whether we are willing to engage in the process. We're gonna ask ourselves the question tonight, why did this miracle happen? I don't know if you've ever read before and read after, but if you read after this miracle, you will discover that the moment those disciples returned with the 12 basketfuls, the Bible says that immediately, in Mark's Gospel, immediately, Jesus commanded the disciples to get into a boat and leave. Jesus alone dismissed the 5,000 and then He climbed a mountain to pray alone and to somehow do something that needed to happen following this environment. It was because of that, that Jesus went walking on the water. So the context of this is amazing. Why, why did Jesus perform this miracle? And why did the disciples have to get into a boat? And why, why was Jesus willing to do it when this miracle didn't work for Him? This miracle worked against Him. The reason why Jesus dismissed the disciples and said immediately, you guys get out of here, is that 5,000 men plus women plus children who miraculously were fed that day had the most fundamental need of their lives. This is in an agricultural age where every day, give us your this day, our daily bread was a legitimate prayer in this season of human history. It wasn't guaranteed that you would eat every day. Are you with me? And these people are miraculously fed and they're like, my gosh, whoever this dude is, we love you. We adore you. And these disciples, oh my gosh, we, we, we worship, we worship you. And Jesus wanted His disciples to leave that environment quickly because the adulation of the people was not going to help them. And then He Himself climbed the mountain and prayed alone to detox from the false love and, the, and the, 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 the desire that they had to follow Him, not based out of who He was, but out of what He did for them. In fact, if you read the Gospels, you discover Jesus saying to the crowds, you are following Me not because you saw the miraculous signs and believed, but because I took a schoolboy's lunchbox and I fed you. And because you've ate that meal, He said literally, because you ate the bread, you want to now make me king by force. The Jews wanted to get rid of the Romans and make Jesus king in the place of Caesar because of this one miracle, but yet still Jesus did it. It didn't help His ministry, it hindered it. It didn't advance His plan, it retarded it. So we've got to ask the question, why did Jesus do it? Why did Jesus do it? And the reason why was because Jesus' focus here on earth was never about what took place in the crowds. He was always focused on what was happening with the 12. Yeah. 
And here he's training these young men. He's gonna give them the church in one year. And here we've got 12 guys who've been anointed and gifted and they're charismatic and the crowds love them and they've been preaching the Gospel and healing the sick and thinking, I'm too Christian for my church. And as they've been walking in this journey, Jesus wanted to make it clear. We are not here, guys, for people to serve us. We are not here for crowds to be a, 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 a toy that is in our hands. We're not here to be served, we're here to serve. I want you to understand that we're not here to be blessed and we're not here to be loved. We're here to make a difference in the lives of people. We're here to serve them. We're here to serve their needs. We're here to help people. We're here to heal the broken. We're here to care about what people need. We are here to make a difference. Jesus wanted these young cats to know, man, we don't exist for people to shout our fame. We don't exist for people to love us. We're not trying to garnish a following, establish an Instagram reputation. We're not here to be celebrities. We're here to make a difference in the lives of other people. And whether anybody ever knows our name, whether the crowds can recognise us or whether they don't, We're not here for people to serve us. We're here to be servant leaders for our generation. Do you love that? That Jesus was just teaching His disciples, guys, you're here to make a difference. They said, send the crowds away. We're bored with this toy. And He said, no, you give them something to eat. This position of leadership I gave you is so you can serve them. This supernatural ability I gave you is so that you could bless them. You don't do miracles and then turn it off like it's somehow just an inconvenient moment for you. You're here to make a difference. You're here to be the the answer to the solution. And guys, in a world that values grandeur and not greatness, where everybody wants a profile and a reputation, but not necessarily to live a life of sacrifice for others, Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? In a world that rewards self and not sacrifice, Jesus wanted to teach His disciples and I just have a feeling He's still trying to teach us, right? We do not live for ourselves. We live to benefit others. We're here on this planet, anointed by God, given His ability for one reason alone. We are here to make a difference. And guys, this life that God has given to us, it's not a drill. It's not a game. It's not a toy. If there is any supernatural endowment on our life, any giftedness, anything that we are grateful for, any unique attribute, any skill, any talent, any ability, the reason why God gave it to us is so that we can make a difference. We're here to make a difference. Our lives resound for God's fame and for the blessing of people. That's what our lives are all about. And if we're gonna live, yeah, come on, give God some praise tonight. If we're gonna live the life that God wants us to live, if we're gonna reach the heights God wants us to reach, we've gotta step off the throne of our own hearts, stop buying into the pedestal that people put us on. 
We've got to start realising that if there is any talent, it came from God. Any supernatural ability, it's because God entrusted it to us. And God wants us to make a difference in the lives of others with the abilities that He's given to us. Come on, if you believe that, shout a little amen out there. The disciples saw the problem and they tried to get Jesus to, to understand there's nothing we can do about it. And Jesus saw the problem and He said, we must do something about it. And to embrace challenges, guys, to reach beyond our own happiness and to do something for the world around us, this is what it means to understand that our lives is not a drill. This is what it means to embrace the challenge that God has given to us. Because in your problem is your purpose. In seeing the challenge that around us is the way that we discover what God has given us to do. If you wanna be used by God, friend, then realize this, God's going to show you not a plan, but a problem. He's gonna show you something that needs fixing. I remember being 19 years old and praying like crazy, God, would you send revival to New Zealand every day? I would pray for an hour every morning. I gave my Friday nights to God and my prayers were, God, would you send revival to New Zealand? And every time I prayed, I saw young people in high schools, and I saw shopping malls filled with ordinary people. So I started an outreach program in my local shopping mall. It never did any good, but I think God broke my heart because of it. And I started working in high schools, talking to young people about Jesus. And God's gonna show you a problem and in showing you your problem, He's gonna reveal your purpose. That's why we never get to back away from our passion to make a difference. That's why the moment we turn it off, we're turning off God's plan. The moment we check out from making a difference is the moment that we step out of supernatural endowment, guys. And that's why God wants you and I to live our lives to make a difference. I wanna give you three points and I got 30 seconds left. So here we go real quick. Number one, making a difference, it doesn't depend on our ability. If you wanna make a difference with your life, if you wanna continually be leaning into God, then the one thing we've gotta turn off in our minds is any rationalization that comes through saying, I don't have the ability. The disciples did not have a mass catering background. They didn't know how to feed 12,000 people. I'm, I'm intimidated by feeding my two children when Julian's away for a weekend, let alone feeding 12,000 people. But guys, those who have changed history have this in common. They all had great reasons to doubt their ability. Abraham waited 33 years for a child, but God called him the father of many nations. Moses had a stuttering problem and God told him to go to the first world ruler and command that the Israelites would be set free. Jeremiah was a young guy, too young to even speak publicly. And God said, I want you to prophesy to nations. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And God said, you're gonna speak on behalf of a holy God. Deborah was a woman and God said, you're my choice to lead the men into battle. Gideon was a scaredy cat and God said, I'm sending you to lead a frightened people to get victory of the army of Midian. Paul called himself the chief of sinners, yet God entrusted him with the gospel of Christ. And I want you to understand, it doesn't depend on our ability. It only comes back to our availability. 
anybody in this room saying, God, if you can use anything, use me. That's the way that we're gonna see miracles. That's the way that we're gonna make a difference. Let's not make it about us. Let's make make it about us being available for God. Number two, making a difference isn't limited by our resources. The disciples didn't have what it take to feed those 12,000 people that day. I remember when we planted a rise, we had nothing. I mean, we had nothing, nothing. We knew two people that lived in the greater Wellington area. That was it. And I remember walking into church one Sunday night. I can still remember the shape of the auditorium. I remember walking past a bleacher and this lady just grabs me and she says, I hear you're planting a church in Wellington. That lady's name was Annette Flett. Nathan and Annette are still a key part of Arise 15 years later, 16 years later. We needed a band and I'll never forget, I was praying, God give us musicians, God give us musicians. And I walked into Lafare Cafe, my first ever time there. And this guy walked up to me and said, you're John Cameron, aren't you? He was one of the waiters. I said, yes, I am. He, he said, well, I, I, what are you doing here? I said, I'm starting a church. He said, I play guitar. Great, that was our guitarist for the first several years of our, <laughs> our church. I mean, you know, I remember, I remember uh, getting a phone call one day from this youth leader from Matter Matter, and she said, I'd like to come and just see you and Jillian. She sat in our lounge room on the floor. I remember that. She sat on the floor. I don't know why, but she sat on the floor. <laughs> and she said, I'd like to move to Wellington with you. That was Kelly Meyer, now Kelly Teal. I was so shocked that anybody wanted to come. Jeff and Rochelle were key youth leaders in Hamilton. Rochelle was a big deal preaching all around the place. And they said, man, we want to resign our church and come, and come be with you guys in Wellington. I was like, what? That's crazy. But the truth is that didn't, we didn't have the resources, but God, once He put His hand upon it, once He decided to bless it. See, friends, the interesting thing about this passage is that God got an idea. And friends, it's not about whether or not we have the resources. It doesn't matter whether we have what it takes. It only matters whether God has got an idea. And when God gets an idea, it will always be too big for us. But God ideas lead to supernatural experiences. Number three, and I am finished. The band can come and join me. Making a difference means giving of yourself. Making a difference is not about your ability. It's not about your resources. But if Jesus wants us to know anything, team, He wants us to know that we have to give ourselves away. The disciples were reluctant to go beyond their own comfort to do something for others. And Jesus said, you give yourself away and I'll give myself away. You give yourself away and I'll give myself away. If you'll break the bread, and hand it to somebody else. If you give yourself away, then I'll give my miraculous power away. And anybody willing to give what they have away is gonna find that God is gonna meet you there and do the most amazing things through your life. But God is looking for a group of people that are gonna understand we're here to make a difference. You're here to make a difference. You're alive, you're destined by God, you have a gift, This is not a drill. And together, we are here to make a difference for God. Does anybody believe they can make a difference for Jesus? Come on, how about in the balcony? Anybody believe that you can make a difference for God? 
Come on, why don't you stand to your feet tonight, church? All over the service. We used to sing this song many years ago. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Anybody old enough to remember that? If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands and my feet. If you you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And I just don't believe that God is looking at anybody in this room saying, do you feel awesome? Anybody feel like they're ready or able to change the world? God's just looking for somebody. He's just looking for somebody that's gonna say, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and I'm not gonna make it a drill. I'm gonna make it an opportunity to touch the life of another, to make a difference in somebody else's heart. I'm gonna wake up prayerfully. I'm gonna walk out of this church service intentionally. I'm gonna desire that through my life, I could touch someone, help somebody, bless somebody. If we just would live our lives saying, God, I wanna make a difference. I believe we can do the most amazing things for Him. If you believe that, give your God some praise all over the service today. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at Arise Church and at John Cameron NZ.